grape juice. You gotta you gotta squeeze the grapes a little bit before the that that grape juice comes. And I mean I I like grapes, but grape juice you know it's pretty good. Your life is a grape, and unless you get squeezed, pressed, as Gary said, you know the, the, when that happens, something's gonna come out of you. Now what's really interesting is that it's not just instantly wine you get squeezed and pressed and then you have to sit around for a while and ferment right and and you need just the right environment you need just the right environment for the for the grape juice now to turn into wine you know all of us have been squeezed and pressed in our life all of us sometimes right after we get squeezed right after we get pressed we think that we're just ready and we just do things often we go and do the wrong thing sometimes we're squeezed and we're, we're we're pressed and we don't let that juice of our life go into the right atmosphere and the right conditions to bear good good wine compared to bad wine you know we'll, 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 we'll get a little who's ever had bad wine before I've, I, when I was really young, I don't know why, but I, 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 was, I, I, I drank when I was young. I really, I did all my partying when I was really young, and I did plenty. But I was with this, uh, this woman at, at work, and, and there was some wine at, at work, and so, so we had a little glass uh, one, one day, and it was Gewürztraminer, Gewürztraminer. And it was the most disgusting wine I had ever, and it was sad because we were giving this wine out in the hotel as, as like a, a gift. It was disgusting. Now, what are we trying to do to people? You know, bad wine, bad wine. Sometimes when your life gets squeezed and your life gets pressed and all the stuff comes out, if you don't put that juice in the right atmosphere, in the right conditions, what comes out of your life is just bad. And nobody likes it. And it's not helpful to anybody. You following? We, we go through process of, of pressing and squeezing like the grape. And if we will allow the right conditions, the right conditions of staying in the Lord and staying in the Word and letting Him work out what He wants to work out through our pressing, then we can bear new wine. Something that's supposed to bring health and healing and joy to other people. That's, that's what God wants us to be. Is, is to take the experiences that we go through. And some of those experiences are hard. They're difficult. They're, they're not something you sign up for and say, you know, when I'm 40, I want to have this. I want to have cancer at 40. I want to lose a child. I want to get a divorce. We don't, whoever says, I just can't wait for those things to happen in my life. We don't do that, but when they come, it, the, that pressing and the squeezing comes, we need to allow God to work into us to take those moments to bring something good out of it instead of something bad. But, but, but here's the thing. It's all up to us. God always wants to work. God always wants to take my circumstances and your circumstances and he wants to change it to become a blessing for other people and even for you. It's always God that wants to do it, so why doesn't it happen? It's because of us. We don't always allow God to work in and through us. We get just plain discouraged and overwhelmed sometimes. And we don't know what to do or we just don't want to do what we know to do. Even as Paul said, the, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? And I don't know about you, but there's been a few times in my life that that was my prayer. God, who's going to save me? I don't want, I'm not doing the things I want to do. I am doing things I don't want to do. Life isn't going the way I want it. But we need to continue to press in. And sometimes we don't have anything to do, so all we need to do is, is just sit. Sit in his presence. Maybe cry. 
put on worship music and say, God, I don't even know what to do, but if I do anything else but just sit here with some worship music on, I'm probably going to do something really stupid. Amen? You relate with that? And instead, we do, we get up from that place, and we go do something stupid. And God is saying, no, I want to make wine. I want to make your life into an offering and into something that will bless people. But you got to be in me. you got to stay in me. you got to let me do the work. If you've ever seen somebody go through a process of having the Lord work in them, it's ugly. It's difficult. But if you've ever seen somebody who exemplifies the Lord and who's gone through trials and you just see something in their life that you go, man, I want to be like that, they went through the fire. They went through the pressing. And at some point, they probably never did it always all right, but at some point, they finally sat and let God do something in their life to bring about something good from the difficulty. And I tell you, we need more wine in our life. We need more power in our life. As, as we're, we're moving through the book of Ephesians over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about spiritual, uh, spiritual war and spiritual wickedness and, and the weapons of our warfare as we get further into chapter 6. And we, we need to know that the, the devil is alive. The devil's alive and well, and he lives in Big Bear, California. And he wants to come against you with everything he's got. He wants you to fail. And he's one of the things he's doing in this community, and I believe in this nation, but I see it in this community, is apathy. Just kind of pushing us down just enough so we just kind of mope along and we never have victory. And he just wants to keep us just there. But God, I believe, wants his children to begin to walk in more freedom to walk in power, and to be something that offers others goodness. Like that idea of that new wine. Now, when we talk about, the Bible talks a lot about wine. One of the, one of the things of wine is it's really a, a metaphor for the b- baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit. But, but in the Old Testament, the New Testament talked about having new wine, and the wine was so important because water was horrible. You, you, you didn't drink water. You, you, it was really kind of yucky most of the time. They, you had to find the fresh streams and the wells. So, so a wine was a treat. It was something uh, a lovely. And, of course, it was always fermented because the only way to store grape juice is in a, in a big wineskin. It would begin to ferment. And, and God, God wants to use us as even it did, he did with the wine. He wants to use us to bring a blessing to others. He wants to bring the Holy Spirit out of our life to minister to other people in power. I think God wants to give us power to overcome the obstacles that we are not overcoming today. And I, and, and I know all of us have something we battle with. Every one of us in here has something that we're just, we're, we're, it's, a, it's a physical sickness, it's a, it's a sin or a, a temptation, it's a thought pattern. So much of our life is, is damaged because of our thoughts. As I, as I say, we have stinking thinking. We don't think the way God wants us to think. We've been marred by the world. We've been confused by the world, and we just go in with worldly thoughts, and God wants to come in and begin to ha- let us have victory and give us power over the enemy. And I tell you, the enemy whispers a lot to us. You're no good. You're never going to succeed. You're never going to conquer this. You're a loser. Just give up. And he comes in. He whispers things, oh, those people, they're horrible. You should hate them. And, and we begin to get bitterness and hatred, hate, hateful thoughts inside of us. And the enemy just keeps coming in. Lord, I want to be pressed and crushed. I want goodness to come out. I want to sit in your presence and begin to get victory over depression and discouragement, hopelessness. I want to walk, walk closely to the Lord so that when he calls us to pray for somebody, we're hearing his voice and we do it. I'm you know, getting excited. The, the penny jar is filling up out there. People are coming in sl- slowly but surely, and they're, they're dropping the pennies. And I want us to, to remember to, to keep doing this because it's the idea that 
during the week, if you have an encounter where you're sharing lo the love of Jesus and praying with somebody, you come in and you put a penny in. And don't forget to let me know some of the testimonies. I see the pennies, but I haven't gotten any testimonies yet. God wants to use you to be a blessing. God wants to use me to be a blessing. But he wants to pull you out of, of the discouragement that you're in. In the, in the pain and difficulty. And I, I want to pray. This isn't the message. It'll turn, this is what God is just saying this morning before we get into the, the other message. You know, we're going to have two today. We're going to take two offerings too. I want everyone just close their eyes for a minute. Just sit in this presence. If, if you're in here this morning, and I, I'm having us close eyes because this isn't about showing anyone else or even me. But if, if, if this is resonating with you, that you need, that, that you've gone through pressing or you're going through pressing, and you need God to take what's happened in your life to change it into something good and, and wine, and you need, you need that, and you're, you're going through a trial, then here's what we're going to do. We're going to raise not one hand. We're going to raise both hands. You can raise them as high as you want because you, you want to be comfortable because we're going to pray with our hands up. So, so get in a position you can pray for a minute because we're going to lift our hands to the Lord and then we're going to, this is also a sign of receiving something from Him. God, this morning we ask for Your Holy Spirit to come down. God, so many of us in here are going through trials and tribulations and discouragement and depression and physical ailments, God, and we are being pressed and we're being crushed, God, and what we, we want our life to bring you joy and other people refreshment. God, we want to go through the trials and, and come out knowing you deeper and having a closer walk with you and being a blessing to those around us. God, but we need power. Give us a fresh feeling today of your Holy Spirit so that we can walk in power, power over sin, power over the enemy, power over our thoughts. God, we receive you. We ask to pour your Spirit out and we receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I need more of Jesus and less of me. How about you? Mm. You know how much I like bumper stickers. Talk about them all the time. Bumper stickers are wonderful. Have you seen the bumper sticker that says, Is, is God your co-pilot? I've seen that one. That's kind of a fun one. Is God your co-pilot? I like the other one that came to replace that one. If God is your co-pilot, switch seats. Yeah, and I get it. So he said, oh, yeah, God's my co-pilot. Well, you, that means that you're driving. You're flying this thing. Let God fly it for a while. It's going to go better. It's going to go better. You be the co-pilot. Actually, you just go back in the back of the plane. There's a song in there somewhere. Jesus, take the wheel. Wow. We need Jesus. And he wants to have an ongoing daily walk and relationship with us. And he wants to speak to us. God help us. It's so easy to just have a life of, of mundane life in general. And we, we do that in our Christianity as well. Just the day to day. And, and, and God wants us to walk in freshness and newness every day. Do you remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt? They crossed the Red Sea. They saw God do all these crazy miracles. It was really cool. And then they were out of food. And, and every time they turned around, the Israelites were complaining to God about something new. And, and we do the same thing. You know, God brings them through the plagues and through the Red Sea and he kills the, the enemies and he, he brings water out of a rock and, 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 but they keep complaining, keep coming to him and all of a sudden they, they have no food and they're crying out, we need food. And so what does God do? He brings manna from heaven. Remember manna? And, and, and really it's just, it, they didn't know what it was. And so it was just crazy white flaky stuff that was kind of like bread. And, and every day, like the dew, what, they would wake up and there would be this white flaky bready stuff on the, on the ground. And they ate that stuff for 40 years. 
that's a long time to eat the same thing. And, and you know, I think that they got pretty creative over the time. They probably started making banana bread and manicotti and all those other things you could make with manna. But, but remember at the beginning, they, they got all this manna, and they're like, wait a second, you know, and, and, and the Lord said, just gather enough for the day. That's all you need to do. And so some people were afraid, and they began to try to gather more and stockpile it. And whatever they stockpiled would go rancid. Worms would get into it. See, that's a picture. The manna is the bread from heaven. We, we give out the, the daily bread things here, and they're great little, little devotions, little things that, that are, are great, great to read. Um, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a jump start to your reading. I think that you need to be doing more than that. But at least start with that. Get your daily bread and read a passage and read an encouragement for the day. And it's, it's the daily bread because we need daily bread. You can't rely on last week's revelation. There's some people I come across, and, and, and I, I, I can't judge if they're having a, a daily devotion or not, but they're still talking about the revelation God gave them 20 years ago. And I'm like, do you have a fresh one? And, and I know sometimes there, there's big words of God that don't change, but like, are you in His presence still, or are you still just trying to rely on the past? What's God saying to you today? Are you spending time to get the manna for today in His presence each and every day? God, that's what we, that's what we need your, our, your help with, to have that daily time, that daily devotion, that time with Him, to hear His voice. And I encourage you to figure out how to get it done. There's some great resources out there to, to hear the Word, to read the Word, devotions that, that will encourage you, and, and time in the Word. Uh, you know, there is no shortage of ways to, to get the Word to speak to you well, I encourage you to find one that works for you. I, I'm a listener more than a reader. So I, I'm finding that I am listening to the Bible far more than I'm reading it. And I'm putting on, I've got, I've got you version on my phone. And, and, I, and I pick different versions and it reads the Bible to me. And I'll just listen to it. I'll just put it on. And, but, but like in the morning, I will sometimes grab my Bible and, and get to the New King James or I'll read it as I'm, I'm listening to it. And, and I might listen a couple times to the same thing. But even other times throughout the day, I've been just putting the Word of God on it, just playing in the background. And, and every once in a while, I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll hear something and just listen and let it soak in for a second. There's a, a great devotion um, I listen to all the time. It's called Drive Time Devotions. Uh, it's, you can, there's an app for it. It's about a 10-minute um, uh, mini uh, message, and it's going through the whole Bible. There's different books. Um, it's really good. It's done by um, Tom Holiday. Ten minutes long. You know, you dr most people have a commute. Well, Big Bear's not much of a commute, but I guess if you work in Big Bear Lake and you live in Irwin Lake, you got ten minutes. Put it on. Let, let the Word speak to you. Read the Word. Listen to the Word. Spend some time just in His presence. And I tell you, I, I've, I, I mean, I don't know if I really have ADD. I joke around about it. I mean, I, I might. And it's really hard to just sit still. Does anyone relate with that? Anyone else kind of go, man, it is really hard for me to... to I, I, we got to figure out what to do. So it's one of the things I, I've got to have multiple things going on. And so pacing is really good for me. And, and so like sitting down and reading can be really, really hard. So I'll pace and listen and read. Or I'll pay and pray. And I, I look at you, Abraham, because you're, you're, you're the biggest one who raised your hand back there. And I'm just thinking of you. It's like, you know, we got to figure this stuff out, though. And we got to get a handle on it. And so if you need to go for a walk and talk to God, go do it. we got to make sure that we are listening to the Lord each and every day. And I know some of you guys, you wake up really, really early and go to work. And you're, and you're finding it hard. Start experimenting. Figure it out. Ten minutes. I mean, 10 minutes. If, if your main reading, maybe the study and stuff is at the end of the day, set aside at least five minutes to quiet your heart and listen to a passage or two and, and meditate on it. We need to get the daily bread, daily manna, so that we can live this life in power. I think this, when the world looks at me, when the world looks at us, any one of us, does it see a difference in us than anyone else in the world? I think that we as, as ambassadors of, of Christ should be carrying along with us Christ so much that people say things like, you know, there's just something different about you. 
I'm really bummed that my wife just walked in because I'm going to point her out. Because I hear her stories all the time. Because she, she tells me, and um, she's in she's at school right now down in Victorville, and and um, there's been a number of times in her life where she just goes to class and and she'll meet somebody, and after a while they have just so many times. This is kind of her testimony. They finally they find out she's a Christian just from a little chit chat, and they go, ah, "I knew there was something different about you. Don't you want that in your life?" I go, man. Oh, that's what it is. I, I, you know, I, I just, there was just something different about you. I want to bring something different than what the world's serving up. Because what the world is serving up is, is disgusting. It's immoral. It's lack of hope. We want to bring joy and hope. We want to be different than the world. And as we get into the Ephesians right now, we're, 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 that's a really long introduction. We'll have to take an offering at some point, too. We're, we're, we're in Ephesians chapter 6 and, and verse 1. Anyone who's been alive for 30 or so years or more probably has been saying this a lot. Boy, life has changed so much from when I was a kid. You know, and of course, there's technology and things that just blows our mind. Um, and it's going really, really, really fast technology is but in in addition to that there's been a decay in society and and immorality is more rampant and and i mean you watch we don't have cable so i can say you watch tv we don't watch cable tv where we have netflix and and that's gotten horrible because they make these new netflix originals does anyone want netflix in my talk okay at least a few people and so you go, oh, you, you see an ad for a show, you go, oh, a new show on Netflix originally, you go, oh, that's going to be, that looks really good. And you turn it on, and like there's this raunchy, horrible sex scene. Like in the first episode, you're like, whoa, what happened? Where, where did all this come from? Well, it's what society's dishing out. Society's dishing that out. Society is pouring upon us, and, and it is, it's, it's not society, I believe it's the devil himself behind everything and, and he's influencing a lot and social media which is antisocial. they call it social media yet two people sit together at a restaurant doing this and they're not being social with each other we're, we're, we're being given false relationships in exchange for real true relationships and, and we're, we're being served up anger and division all over our, our culture is, is suffering quite a bit and God is calling us to be different and, and in my study I was really thinking about the time that Ephesians was written was a tough time in the world. Rome was, was uh, very heavy handed. They were expanding still and uh, w- what I've discovered reading a b- little bit about Rome is that, that Rome had some problems. Did you know in Rome, the, the whole society, and it started changing right around this time, and they believe that it started changing because of Christianity, but Rome had this a patriarchal society. Uh, it's a, it was kind of a paternal society where the man, not just the man, the father of the house was the ruler of everything in the house. So much, not, and I said not just man, one of, of the oldest father in the house was the only one who could own land. His children didn't own land, if they, even if they were men. He could have children that were sen- senators in the Senate and had power and influence, but the one patriarch father, if he was still alive, all the land was in his name until he died, and then it went to the other son. Very set up like that. So, and so uh, it really affected a lot. Um, wi- women, they... they they were able to, there was some really interesting things. If they had enough babies, they could actually kind of break away from that and kind of begin to own land and stuff. Babies were a, a sign of, of health and vitality. But, but when a child was born in, in Rome uh, around this time and before, the man had so much power that, that when the baby was born, they would put the baby on the ground. And if the father picked up the baby, the baby was accepted into the family and loved, but the father could not pick up the baby if he chose not to. If he did not pick up the baby, the baby was discarded and was left outside to die in the elements 
or often what was happened is, is that the babies that were outside being ex in ex dying of exposure, people would come along and take and put that baby into slavery. Nice society. Nice society. We would never do that. We just kill babies in the womb. So much better. Pastor, you're starting to get a little political here, aren't you? No, I'm a life. But we've got our problems in our society. In Rome, Rome and, and here's the, a lot of people disagree. Sociologists, they disagree of what was the fall of Rome. But they had this broken family thing happening. And eventually, Rome did fall. And, and I see in our nation today the breakdown of the family unit happening all over the place. Last week, we read and we, we studied uh, Ephesians 5, talking about husbands and wives. And, and the order that God put up uh, to, to, for a husband and wife to come together to serve God. But he did put in to a, into it a, an order. And now this morning we're talking about it one more time. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And that's one through three. And, and the, the joke is, well, you know, how is that? Ha what does that mean? You know, children obey your parents and, and so that you'll live a long time. So yeah, because if you don't obey me, you're not going to live much longer. But there was a blessing that would come from kids who would obey their parents. And, and here, Paul is, is setting this up. Children obey your parents. And he goes in verse four, you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so we've talked about husbands and wives, and now he's moving on to talk about children and parents. And yes, children are supposed to obey their parents. One of the things that's happening in our society today is that parents are obeying their children. I want this, I want this, give me that, give me this. Okay, you can have that as long as we are friends. Can we still be friends, son? I want to be your friend. I'll give you whatever you want if you're my friend. We don't say it like that, but parents are doing that. We, we, what happened is I think that, that my generation, we, we came out, uh, and, and, and some of your generation, you came out from underneath a heavy hand, and so we switched. And we thought, you know, I just want to be friends with my kids. And I didn't feel like my parents were my friend. And it's, it's not, he didn't call us to be our kids' friends. He called us to be our children's parents. You know, and we need to raise them. Here it says, um, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admission of the Lord. And the verbs here, really, they mean to, to nourish and to train. And it also means to do it in Colossians chapter 3. It talks about the same thing. Remember Colossians and Ephesians, they have a lot of the same messages. It talks about uh, uh, um, bringing them up. But part of the way that you bring them up is to demonstrate for them the way they're supposed to do it. Parents are supposed to demonstrate to their children how to live. We're supposed to set a good example and that they can watch and we nourish them. That means we feed them good things and right living and, and healthy habits. But he's calling parents to be parents. And, and the Bible definitely talks about discipline. So, so sometimes there needs to be a physical discipline. Uh, I, I believe that, that we should never beat our children, but I, I believe that sometimes a child might need a little, a little swat on the fanny. Sometimes when, a when, that, when you got a little baby who's touching something that's hot, and you can't really reason with an 18-month-old very well. They just, they just don't have that much. So a little slap on the hand and say no, and they go, ow, that hurts. Well, we need to keep doing that to our kids, even when they're 16. Now, now, here's a reason. There's a reason we don't keep spanking them at 10, 12, 14, 16 years old. They're bigger, and it takes a lot more energy to do it. And, and that's not the funny part. What starts happening, and, and if you've ever spanked a kid who started getting older, you go bang, and they kind of look at you, and you're like, well, you can tell that didn't hurt. So what do we do? and we start getting angry. No, that's, that's why we stop doing that. You spank them in other ways. You discipline a kid in other ways. It has to hurt. 
taking things away and, and discipline. And, and we, we have to discipline our kids. But that's not the only thing we do. We raise them. We train them. We mimic life for them. That means when they see us sitting down going, I don't know what else to do, God. I'm just going to sit here and listen to worship. Do it where they can see you sometimes. So they go, my dad prays. My mom prays. They read the Bible. Grandparents, you have a, an influence in your children's life as well. Show them a godliness. Nourish them. Not just in what you say, but in what you do. When it's time to shovel the snow, you don't just send your kid out there and make them do it. You go out there with them the first time and you show them. Teach them how to do it right. You take them fishing. You show them how to fish. You sit them down and you read your Bible with them and show them how to read the Bible. You take your daughters on date nights and teach them what they should expect from another man. You take your son along on a date. Make sure that he's watching how you treat mom so he learns how to treat her the same way. And if you're treating mom really poorly, guess what? Your son's going to probably treat his wife really poorly just as well because we're raising them. So I'm going to make sure that they teach verses 1 through 3 next door. Children, obey your parents. We're, gonna, we're talking to parents about not provoking our children to wrath. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You know, it says that in ver, in back in verse 2, it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. In Exodus chapter 20 and in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we see the Ten Commandments laid out for us. It's, it's reiterated in Deuteronomy ch chapter 5, but I want you to go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and, and 6. Deuteronomy chapter 5, we have the, the giving of the law reviewed. Verse 16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. But going over to chapter 6, verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says this. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. We're being taught them, that you may observe them. So we're not just being taught, we, we actually do them, we observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess. Now, on a little side note here, I want to point out, and we're not going to go over all of them, it's a whole other message, that all of the Ten Commandments are reiterated in the New, in the New Testament, except really um, keeping the Sabbath day. That's, that's one that he re kind of overwrote and says, listen, the Sabbath is for us and not the other way around. So when you say the law, yes, the law was fulfilled. That doesn't mean we're supposed to break the Ten Commandments. They're reiterated in the New Testament. Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all the statutes and commandments which I commanded you. And here, listen to this that I command you, you, your son, and your grandson all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. The Lord wants to set up a lineage of godliness, parents to children and to grandchildren. He wants us to, to, mim to live a life, to, to let them see something where they would Mimic, and I don't know, you know, if you guys, I know there's a lot of people who, on grandchildren, some of you maybe have great grandchildren here, but you remember when your kids, your grandkids would maybe come into the bathroom with guys and, and you're shaving, they wanted to shave. They wanted to do what you do. You know, I, I always liked, uh, like to watch the little, little boys, um, it, it seems like this, I, I just noticed it in boys, um, walking behind their dad, they walk the same way. They kind of look like mini dads. You know, it, because they're, that's what they're doing. They're watching. They go, okay, this is, how, this is how I walk. This is how I talk. There was a, there's a song. It's a country song we did up in Oakdale a number of years ago. Um, it's a really cute song. And it, it says, I want to walk like you, talk like you. And, and it's a little kid. And we did this. And, and uh, the song goes that one, they were in the car and, and they almost got in an accident. And then the son, the little boy, cussed. And he goes, son, where'd you learn to talk like that? 
I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't you proud? <sighs> Makes me cry. Think, wow, they're watching you. They're watching you cuss. They're watching you what you watch. They're watching you pray. Treat your wife. Treat your husband. So we, we live a life that we would be happy for them to, to mimic. And we don't stop parenting. We, we get older and our, par- our kids start having their own kids and we keep loving and, and training and, and we love the grandkids and we love the great-grandkids and we set up a lineage of godliness that, can, that not only can but probably should look a lot different from culture. Back in Ephesians, when Paul is writing these things to husbands and wives, and, and the next part we're going we're gonna to get into real quick, bond servants and masters, he's really upsetting the apple cart because he's giving the wife way too much power compared to culture. Christian, people say that Christianity tries to degrade women. No, Christianity lifted women up and said, you are amazing and you're powerful. Come on, Deborah, the, the, the judge of Israel, Ruth, the lineage of Christ comes through Ruth, a prostitute. The, the Bible doesn't sub- put women down. People put women down. The Bible doesn't. He lifts them up. And he, and, and he countercultural, and he says, listen, don't, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. A father in Rome, not only could he leave his baby out there to die, if he needed to discipline his son as an older son, a teenager, any age, he could order their execution as part of their discipline. It was legal to kill your child in Rome to discipline them. And Paul is saying, no, no, don't provoke your kids to wrath. He doesn't even talk about don't kill them because that's obvious, but not in culture. We live countercultural. And we set us up a standard that changes, that changes the culture around us. And I tell you, it does feel like swimming upstream. You know, we, we, don't, we do not do everything right. We do a lot of things probably really poorly in the house. We, we try. We try to set up standards on social media and Internet access. We, um, you know, we, 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 we talk a lot with our kids, and our kids talk with us about, about everything. But we try to help them to, to not be like their peers, just addicted to social media. And I know I talk a lot about social media because I, I spend a lot of time with youth and I think, what's happening to these, these young people? They're spending their lives in relationships that don't even exist. I mean, it's, it's digital. I mean, if you go to the, a lot of teens, they have uh, you know, Instagram or whatever, and they have people they're following and friends that they've never met. How do you have a friend you've never met? That's a new thing. No, we, we, we're, we're trying to be, live a little bit counterculturally in our life, and we need to help our kids to be different. Fathers, mothers, let's bring up our children. Train them. Live a life. Model it. Keep doing it. As you do that with your kids, your kids will do that with their kids, and you'll begin to have a genealogy and and um, I know whenever you, you talk about, when I talk about something like this, there's people who, who came to Christ late and didn't, didn't do the best with their own kids. And all I say is you just pray for God's redemption. You know, if you've already asked forgiveness, you're forgiven. If you haven't, then do it. And then you ask for God's redemption because he loves your kids more than you do. You say, God, I, I didn't do it right. I didn't do everything right. I didn't, maybe I didn't do very much right. Forgive me, and I pray that you would just get a hold of my kids and, and now help me at this stage of my life to set an example for anyone who might be watching. My kids, my grandkids, and anyone else who sees me. Let me help train others even by my lifestyle. He goes on in, in Ephesians chapter 6, he turns the corner to another relationship that we're all familiar with, uh, at least the way I, we're going to talk about it this morning. Bond servants and masters. And, and I, I, I've talked about this before. The slavery that, that was in Rome is not the slavery that we think of. We think of um, Kunta Kinte. 
from roots, if you remember that. You know, that's the slavery we think of, of going to Africa, and, and, and it was a horrible thing. It was ungodly. Um, it, it, was, it was, you know, it was a horrible time in our society, in our culture. And even some Christians, you know, I'm sure had slaves, but it was a lot of Christians who, who broke it. When we think of slavery, when you read about it in the Bible, the slavery that, that is talked about here is not the same. He does not the Bible doesn't condone slavery, but it recognizes that it existed. But in Rome, there were, there were millions of slaves, and some of the slaves were doctors and politicians. It was very, very different. Um, even in Israel, you could choose to be a slave. You would just, you would actually, um, you could, if you needed money, if you couldn't take care of yourself, some people would actually find somebody rich and say, I'll, I'll just work for you if you'll just take care of me. And the Bible is very clear. They had to take care of their, their slaves and that every seven years they gave them a chance to be let go. And, and, and often the slaves, they were called bond service at this point, they would say, listen, I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to serve you all of my days and they would become what's called a bond servant it was by choice a servant by choice and the slave the master would take them out there so if you want to be my slave we're going to go out where everyone can see in the front portico on the dairy and we're going to put an all up to your ear it was a that's ear piercing in the bible and so they'd take an all and they'd whack it through the, the ear and then everyone would know that this was a bond servant which was different than a slave in the sense that he chose to be a slave so when we read about slavery in the Bible, remember, it's, you can't compare it to what this country did a few hundred years ago. And so really it's more, in some ways, it's almost more closely to a, uh, to a, a, a worker and a boss relationship. But bond service says, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Remember when we're talking about husbands and wives, everything he's doing is comparing it to your relationship with Christ. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for his right. Fathers, don't provoke children to Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Everything is with the Lord included. And here it is again, bond servants, employees. Warren, make sure you, you nudge Don. Employees, be obedient to those who are your masters. Don, start calling a master on Monday, would you? That would be good. According to the flesh, with what? Fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. When we work, we work as to Christ. There's a lot of people in here, we're, we're employees. And so God is speaking to us today. We, he wants us to, to do it. And he says in verse 6, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Boy, isn't that convicting. Ever been a time in your life that you were working and the boss wasn't around, you know, when the boss is away, the mice shall play. And, you know, and you just kind of flake off a little bit or you take, instead of your 10-minute break, you take a 20-minute break and, and you just, and the boss shows up and you look, you, you get real busy for a little while and, you know, I, probably some of us have been guilty of that. And here Paul's talking about that. Listen, no, no, no. We serve our employer like we would serve Christ. Not just as a man pleaser, a schmoozer, but we do it with sincerity of heart. We work at our place of work, place of employment, as we would serve God. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord, and not to men. Why? Because knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. You know, there's that recipro is it reciprocity. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where maybe you found yourself as a boss or just in a situation and you, ha you were dealing with a situation from somebody else an employee or, or maybe a, your own kid or, or something else and you had that revelation and you're like, ah, they're doing to me what I used to do to my boss or to my parent. And you start going, oh man, I'm just, I'm reaping what I'm sowing here. And it does, it tends to come around. It tends to come around. But we want to, serve wherever we're at as to the Lord. Paul was not trying to 
you know, he could have just said, this is wrong in the culture and this is wrong in the culture. Instead, what he's teaching us is to say, live in your culture in a countercultural way. You know, I think that we should, we live in a culture that, that part of, here, here, here goes a, a break that I need to talk about anyways. We, we live in a culture that actually says people have the right to vote. So we should vote. As Christians, we should vote. Because that's the way it's established. It's established that if you want to make a change, make it through the ballot box. Next Tuesday, a week from Tuesday, make sure you do that. And vote your Christian values before anything else. Vote your Christian values. Absolutely. So, but Paul's not trying to change things here. He's saying, listen, you live in a culture, live within a culture counterculturally. You know, don't hate your, don't hate your boss. Don't hate your, your master. Serve him. With, with out of a kindness of your heart, out of obedience, do that. And then he changes to the, to the masters and he says, and you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. We, as bosses, as leaders, we need to treat those that are serving under us with godliness and respect. Because remember, we're all children of God. We're all children of God. So whatever position is where Paul's coming to. Par husbands, wives, parents, children, employees, employers. We live for Christ. We serve Him. We, we understand His heart and His ways and we, we get these things going. I think all of it, not with eye service. We're not men pleasers. But as bond servants of Christ. I had a I knew this kid, um, you know, many many years ago, and well, there was two kids, and and um, one kid, he was really good at schmoozing. You know, he'd go over to my other friend's house for dinner, and he would, he would just look at the mom, and he was so nice, and he was just, but he was just a man pleaser, and and my buddy, he was, he he actually was more honest and and, and upright and. And he would like, I don't like this dinner and whatever. And, and, you know, he wouldn't eat it. And his mom would yell and you need to eat the dinner. And, and this other guy, he would just go, oh, thank you so much. That was a wonderful meal. And there was this one time they got out and, and my, my buddy said, how did you eat that? That was disgusting. And he reaches in his pocket. He goes, I didn't eat it. He had stuffed his dinner in his pockets. And some of you are thinking, I, would not, I might have done that too. The difference between the two guys is one was just a man pleaser. In that way, he just he just kind of schmoozed, and he was a man. He just, you know, but he didn't necessarily do what was right, and he, and, and that was it was true in his life. And we don't live like that. We want to live honestly and truthfully, but with grace and love. We're not we're not here to please man. We're here to please God. And so when we're nice to people, we gotta, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's hard sometimes to be nice to some people. I worked in the service industry for a lot of years, but we go, God, help me. You know, this is this is one of your children. This is somebody that you want to come to Christ, and and we begin to live for our bosses, for our employees, for our husbands, our wives, our kids. Live in Him. Live in Him. Showing grace and love and respect in every matter of every life. In Christ. In Christ. As we go on a day-to-day -day business, we, we leave the house. We, just, we need to pray, God, as I go out today, help me to just be a witness for you. Help me to treat everybody the way you would want to treat them. Help me to be respectful to my wife, to my husband at home, to be loving as I go out into the world, help my testimony walk out there as much as it does on a Sunday morning. Everywhere, all the time. That doesn't mean you can't, can't be a boss. Doesn't mean you're supposed to let your employees walk all over you. You, can st you have to still lead, just with, like with our kids. We have to lead them. But we do it with grace and mercy and justice yeah close in prayer and and um, right after we'll just we'll receive an offering in fact here's what we'll do 
for the offering. The offering boxes are on the back. Um, you know, we're gonna, we'll pray for the message and for the offering when you leave. Just go ahead and please put your offering in the back box. God, I thank you that, that you, you love your children. I thank you that you gave us the word of God that helps us to see things that, God, even within the culture that we live, which is really crazy right now, you're telling us to live a godly life and to live counterculturally, to set an example for others. God, I pray for the strength of the Holy Spirit to be upon each and every one of us, to be able to live in these relationships, husbands and wives, parents and children, employees, employers. God, even as we go into the society, as we're, we're shopping and we're uh, doing, conducting business, God, in every relationship that we have, that we would do it all as in, in Christ and for Christ. God, help us to, to start our days off right so that our time in the Word and time in prayer and, and, and devotions would affect us throughout the day that the fruit of the Spirit would come forth in our life more and more. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control, God, would be the things that people see in our life. Not as men-pleasers, but sincerely from the heart, as Ephesians says. That will make a difference in our children's life, in our spouse's life, in the workplace in this community, God. So that others who don't know you will be drawn to you. God, we also thank you for the call that you have on this church to reach the lost, to preach the gospel, to disciple the saved. God, and we thank you for continuing to lead us forward into new things here at, the, in, at Big Bear Christian Center. We pray that as we've given to the offering too, that you would bless it. God, even in all the construction that's going on in the back, that you'd continue to provide for that. And give us a heart and vision on how to reach more people for you. Father, we thank you for this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>